Good evening. Hello. Um, Jim Carrey once said, I wish that everyone could get rich and famous and have everything that they ever dreamed of so that they would know that's not the answer. Whew. <laughs> um, the guy that we're talking about in the story today, um, the only funny thing about him really is this really hard to pronounce name, Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> He was like the big deal. Babylon, um, where he reigned, where he had his palace, was this massive city. Just like imagine New York with all its power, but in green. He had like these hanging gardens. It was massive and so beautiful. And the world, as far as he was concerned, and he knew it, he was the highest monarch. So he was the big boss. He was one of the few people in the world to ever grasp that power. Everyone that was under him, every single person, as far as they knew the world, he ruled it. And I don't know about you, um, what dreams you have, where you want to get to, but sometimes in life we're so focused on, oh, if I get this, then, or if I get these shoes, then, if I get this job, then, if I go into this uni, then I'll be well. And here we see this guy who's got it. Like, that's the one guy who should not worry, you know? Like, he's got the money, and he's got the fame, and he's got this massive empire and all the power and authority. And here he is, and he discovers some, something, and he tells this story. And in this story, he says that he discovered something really deep in his soul, and it wasn't something nice. And he struggled, struggled hard with it. But then God came and had mercy in him and transformed him and helped him out of that. And what that ugly thing inside of him was, is pride, spiritual pride. And we're going to look at that and what that means tonight. This story is a story of somebody who, he's had it, you know, he's seen it. He's been there. And pride, I'm going to talk about four things about pride today. And the first thing is the sleep of pride, the heart of pride is the second, the outcome of pride, and the healing. As I, as I mentioned, Jim, uh, the quote in the beginning, it's there are some people that are at the top, and very few of us are going to get there, you know. But people that have been there, you know, they're deeply troubled, they are deeply troubled people, and it's something, they found out something that we sometimes don't want to acknowledge. That even when you get the biggest empire, and when you get the most money, and when you get into that university, and when you get your grades, and when you get that car, and when you get that, I don't know, partner, the human soul longs for something much bigger, much, much bigger, and I think there's humans, you know, we all have this hole in our hearts and we're searching for something to fill it with. And King Nebuchadnezzar did, like he was a military genius. You know, he ruled and he did, but still that guy had trouble sleeping. And what I feel that teaches us is no matter how established you think you are or will be, no matter how comfortable you are or will be, there's still something missing And the elite know that, you know, the people that made it to the top, they know that, and they are aware. So in this story, um, 
He has a dream, he's got trouble sleeping, so he's in his palace and he starts the story with that he was content, you know? He was happy in his palace, he was walking around, everything was fine. He goes to sleep and he can't sleep. And he has this dream and he's scared. He's really scared and he doesn't know what's happening, so he has to go and gets like the hero of the book that we're reading about. He gets Daniel in and he's like, what's happening? And Daniel hears this and, and it says that he was perplexed. You know, come to the king, and then he tells you this dream, and he gets the interpretation and basically has to tell the big boss of the world that they know, yeah, bro, you got to, like, calm down a bit. You need to humble yourself. I would be a bit perplexed if I would stand there. So Daniel has to come in and basically tell the big boss and this massive, massive guy, yeah, like, uh, God is going to uh, cut you down and humble you really bad, and you're going to turn into an animal and eat grass but he's going to leave the stump, you know, so you're fine. That's, that's not the message that we want to hear. Really not the message that we want to hear. But David comes in and tells him anyways. So what happens next is that happens, and 12 months, they kind of leave us hanging, and then it goes on. And what happens is that um, that's where we're going to learn something about a heart of pride now. What happens is that King Nebuchadnezzar, like, walks over, like, the city, like, I don't know, on a really high skyscraper with a garden or something. So he's walking there, and he's looking around, and then he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Is this not what I've built? And isn't it, you know? He's a military genius. He had the money, he established it, he had the plans. Is it not? And then immediately a voice comes from heaven and cuts him down. And then it's basically fulfilled what was prophesied, that he turns into this animal and has this really weird time. But I think what this text tells us about the heart of pride is that firstly, it's this attitude of I did it myself. When you look at something that is actually a sheer gift and you say, I claim that, I'm the author, I did it, and then therefore I'm owed this. In life that could look like when we're having a really great time, pride could look like, oh, of course I'm doing well, you know, of course I'm well, I worked hard. I did everything I had to do, I did it, of course I deserve this, you know, of course I'm doing well. But when it's really rough, when it's really tough, pride stands there and is like, well, why is it going bad? I deserve, I deserve something better. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He stands there and he's like, did I not build this? And he makes himself the author of what is a sheer gift. See, humility, what Christ modeled on the cross, humility gets that all out of the way. Humility is an attitude of looking at something and being like, that's a sheer gift, and I receive that. As Christians, we can sometimes turn that around and turn that into like a reverse thing of pride when we look at things and we're like, oh, I don't deserve that, so I don't want that can sometimes happen when we hear the gospel and the good news of Jesus because 
sometimes we don't really understand and sometimes I don't really understand it. You know, God is so much bigger and his grace is so much bigger that sometimes we look at it and we say, I don't deserve it, so maybe I shouldn't have it. But that's not humility, that's false pride. That's just a reversed kind of pride and sometimes we fall into that pit as well. So the outcome of pride, what basically happens to Nebuchadnezzar then is that he turns into this weird animal state. Now we can say maybe he had some like mental health something, but basically the prophecy is fulfilled and like he falls down, he grows like really ugly long nails and long hair and he starts eating grass. And but I, what, what I think what that modules is that um, when we're really proud and we make ourselves the author, when we start to get really self-centered, what happens is that we actually kind of turn into a bit of animals, you know? We're trying so hard to be a person that we're actually leaving behind our humanity. We're trying so hard to be an established person. We're so self-centered. What we're leaving is our humanity. So suddenly we're so self-focused. We're not really empathetic. We don't really go into a room and say, oh, what can I do for these people? We go into a room with the sense of, I'm owed this, I deserve this, what can these people do for me? So he turns into this animal and he eats grass. But what I think that what we can take from that is that we don't, we want to stay human, you know? We want to, we don't want that. I want to be empathetic. You could say, for example, like, uh, you guys just got a dog. And that dog can be really happy, you know? It's not like it can't, feel, it can't feel happiness. But I don't think that Finch can be very happy when his circumstances are not good. You know? He can be happy, but he can't really feel joy, deep joy, no matter the circumstance. And I feel like when we're really proud, that's what we're losing. Because we're so self-centered, so self-centered in everything that we've done, we claim to be the author of. If Emma and Stephen would have written a really cool song with like a great piano bit and a great guitar bit, and I would take it and go to a different church and play it there, and they'd be like, oh, and that is a fantastic song. And I'd be like, yeah, thanks, I totally wrote that. <laughs> all the little notes and all the guitar, and they'd be like, oh, amazing, Fiona. You cannot only play amazing keys, you can also play amazing guitar. And I'd be like, yeah, thanks. There's a reason you guys would be like, What? You did not do that. You can't claim that. What pride does, it claims to be the author of something that is a sheer gift to us. Pride claims to be the author of something that is a sheer gift to us. What happens last in the story is that he turns into this animal, literally like really weird, and he turns into this animal, and you know, he needs to get out of there. He's not gonna get out of there himself. And when we fall into really bad habits, and we're really proud, and we make everything about ourselves, we're not gonna get out of there ourselves. If I'm re really, really deep in me, have deeply rooted spiritual pride, I'm not gonna get that out myself. I can't. I can't by starting to make a diary of like saying one good thing a day about myself or humbling myself and being really nice to people. That's not gonna get this spiritual cancer out of myself, the spiritual pride. 
By the way, if you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, I'm not really, I don't really, I don't really struggle with spiritual pride. That is one of the first indicators in scripture that you are spiritually proud. I'm sorry, but that's just it, you know. In C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite book series ever, Narnia, there's this awesome, a little bit disgusting scene. And we just watched it earlier, the old BBC version. Has anybody seen that? Where Aslan goes like, ah, as a lion, as a bear. Yeah, it's really funny. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so and in that story, there's this guy, Eustace, and he basically falls asleep with really greedy thoughts, you know, he's really, he's a really proud guy. And he falls asleep and he wakes up as a dragon. And he's like, what? Did not plan for this to happen, so he turns into an animal as well. And he is there and he can't, he can't get it off, you know? He cannot, he cannot go back. He can't and he tries to like, ah, oh, get it off and try, tries to get out of the dragon skin and he can't, and he kind of hurts himself a bit. But then Aslan, who's the Christ figure, a lion comes and comes in and says, yeah, I, ha I have to do that. Jesus has to deal with that. You can scratch yourself and you can try to transform your character, but the really deep work, the really deep work in your heart, Jesus has to do that. Deep, deep transformation comes from Jesus and from what he's got for you. And the Bible tells us that you have got a purpose. You've been brought into this life. You've got dignity. And God can get you back to that space where you're proud of being a child of God rather than claiming the author of something that you didn't do. When I started leading worship, I was invited um, in Germany to co-lead at a quite a big festival, and I was so excited. Oh my gosh, it was the coolest thing ever. So we went um, and we did the first few days, and after the first few days, people started recognizing us, and I thought that was so cool. I thought that was awesome. Not gonna lie, I loved it. I loved it. I was like, oh, are you the singer? I'd be like, yeah, and then we talk, and I'd be like, oh, great, awesome, taking that what have I done to be up there? Nothing. Is there anything that I could have done to that? All of my talents, where I am, where I've been born, where I've been brought up, and it's all something that God has given to me. I didn't want to see that, though. I totally claimed that, and I was like, great, awesome. Everything is going so well. Until I went up on the third day of two weeks, and I couldn't sing because my voice was completely gone. I couldn't speak, I couldn't sing, and I just stood there like an idiot. And I was like, what is going on? So I went into this prayer tent um, and just like, I need to sing because that's why I'm here. Um, and then this lady came to me that I've never met before and looked me in the eye and was like, no, I just have the sense to tell you that um, it's not about your voice. It's about the kids that come here. And that was hard because I had pretended the whole time. It's totally about the kids. You know, it's totally about Jesus, not about me whilst claiming to be the author of what I could do. And I'm not, you know. And I want to finish with this. Sometimes God will let it happen to you that you'll be humbled. Sometimes we give the devil credit for that. 
but there will be tough times where you will be humbled. But he's not doing that. That's what we can take out of the story. He's not doing that because he's mad at you or because he's a bad God or cruel. He's doing that out of the sheer mercy because he knows what happens with pride. He's doing that because he loves you. And the amazing thing is that they cut the tree off, but what they leave is the stump. There's mercy in this story. And the story is a bit crazy, I get that. And when I first read it, I was like, why is this in the Bible? But you know what? They cut the pride thing off, the proud thing off, but they leave the stump because even then when he was so proud and he claimed everything, God still had mercy on him. God still had hope for him. And the thing is when God cuts you down and you feel like you've got no hope and you don't know where you're going and you don't really know what's happening and you don't understand what's going on, and you're humbled because suddenly you see that you're not in charge anymore, when he lifts you up then, and he will, you know that it's by grace alone that you stand. Every breath you take is a gift. Every person that you have in your life is a gift. Every step you make is a gift. You will just know that it's from him when he decides to lift you up out of that. And that is humility to say, you know what, I'm not the author. I don't claim what's happening. And I look at God and I say, this is a sheer gift. And that is the gospel. You're not gonna get there. You're not gonna get to Jesus. You're not gonna get to heaven by this letter of good deeds. It's not how it works. It's really not. It's all about God's grace and him deciding to come towards us and his son humbling himself in our place because it's really hard for us sometimes. And I get that. It's really, really hard to humble ourselves because it means that we're not in charge and we don't like that. But Nebuchadnezzar was humbled like crazy with a really terrible thing. But the way he tells the story is that in the end, he praises God. He says that his dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. He praises him, you know, he ends in praise. And even when he starts telling this story, he's already got this heart of thankfulness and gratitude. Even when you think about what he went through, he was still thankful. And I just really want us to know that we can't get rid of the deep spiritual pride in ourselves, in our own power, and we can't get to Jesus in our own power. We can't get to God in our own power, you know? We're weak and we're fallen. That's the truth. But God and his grace and mercy came towards us. So what we can do is come to him and just offer what we've got and offer what is going on in our hearts and be really honest with him, and he will raise you up. And I don't know where you're at at the moment, what's been going on in your life, but God's promises are so good and so much bigger, and there's so much truth that he speaks over you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the author of everything, that you know where where we're going to go, that you know where we've been. And I really pray for us where, we've, where we are struggling with spiritual pride, 
and where we claim to be the author of something that is a sheer gift, that you would come and restore our hearts. And Lord, we want to be open to you tonight. And we ask, Lord, your spirit be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.